welcome to the March episode of Owls About Stats, looking at Sheffield Wednesday by numbers. I'm James Marriott from Singing the Blues and the Wednesday Week, as ever in the relative safety of Sheffield, uh, but in the concrete jungle that is New York, James Allen. Uh, James, how have you made it through International Break Weekend? Uh, mostly by drinking beer. Um, which is much like any other weekend, in all honesty. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's springtime in New York, so, you know, there's beer gardens to be enjoyed. That sounds like a good plan and good compensation for lack of football. Um, in the fjords of Denmark, because it's all fjords up there, isn't it? Uh, Peter Lerman, Peter, um, how is the hangover? Uh, it's it's getting better. I'm on my fourth can of uh, Coke Zero today, so... Uh... <laughs> It's a, it's a bit of a bit of a, a hard one last night, and uh, I was I went to a beer festival. Um, so that was uh, eight hours of drinking uh, really strong craft beer. So it's it's it was this didn't really agree with my uh, my digestion, did it? So, uh, but I've I've slept it out, I think. So oh, if I if I nice if I make a slurry and uh, and uh, and and not very. Uh, Clear on the in the audio today. It's uh, it's it's probably something to do with that. Yeah, we'll we'll let you off. We'll let you off. Uh, okay, now I think we uh, need to start this month's owls about stats by uh, well by stopping um, all of us just for a second. Nice kind of deep breath. Just kind of take a bit of a step backwards, um, and let's just kind of look over what's kind of been happening and what's been going on because we've got a heck of a lot to squeeze into uh to our podcast this month because we've got um the 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 kind of remarkable turnaround in form at Sheffield Wednesday which had started but on very kind of small scale when uh, when we last recorded so we've got that to cover uh and all the many and varied stats that go with that there's been a heck of a lot happening off the pitch as well that we've got to talk about. And obviously, FFP slash PNS, uh, big news over the last few days. We'll cover that as well. Uh, and all the kind of the usual bits and bobs that we've got to try and um, squeeze in as well. Uh, first thing for us is, is to somehow try and recap the last month because there's just kind of so much to try and squeeze in. Um as ever, Peter, going to come to you for kind of your sort of your headline stats of the last month in Sheffield Wednesday world. Yeah, we if we look at, um, at uh, taking the time that Steve Bruce took the job um, and, and was was officially uh, uh, appointed at the beginning of February, and and uh, the ten games onwards, um, if you if you created a league table uh, from 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 the day he started his job. Uh, we'd actually be fourth um, on 20 points from 10 games. Uh, so that's a very healthy two points per game, which over f- a full season would, would easily see us uh, in play for um, uh, for the automatic promotion spots. Um, and we've the, the transformation in, in our numbers is, is quite staggering, really. Um, one point I think we have all noticed uh, is how much more solid our defense is. Um, I mean, our... Uh, Average uh, uh, 0.6 clean sheets uh, per match compared to 0.09 uh, under Lukai. Um, we concede 0.6 goals uh, per game, uh, whereas it was 1.82 uh, under Lukai. Expected goals, um, we have conceded one expected goal per game now, where it was uh, one more than one and a half uh, under Lukai. Shots against have uh, have gone down as well considerably. Um, big chances against have uh, have have come down from from a little, a little more than than two big chances uh, conceded per game to to now one. Um, and the the goals goals conceded from from big chances uh, gone down from from nearly one to uh, to to zero point two um, per, per per match. Uh, we allow fewer crosses. Um, which is another difference, um, and we're also a lot more aggressive um, defensively. Uh, we allow fewer passes into our final third. Um, it was 174 per game uh, under Luke, and it's now 154. Um, and in the in the final two thirds uh, of the pitch, we make more interceptions, we attempt more tackles, 
we commit more fouls. Um, so that tells you that we're a lot more aggressive, a lot further up the pitch than we, we used to be uh, under Luokai. Um, so that there's this you summary score of your defensive pressure in the analytics world called uh, PPDA, and that has gone down to uh, to around 11, where it was 15 before, and then the lower it is, uh, the, the, the the better that is. And then you can also see that from the uh, the pass completion rate of the uh, of the opposition has gone down from 75% to 69%, which also tells you something about our pressure on on the opposition, um, meaning they 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 aren't as accurate with the with, with the passing. Um, and obviously we we uh, going forward we actually don't have a lot more shots. We have six percent more shots um, and sixteen percent more shots on target than on the little Kai, but we are a lot more dangerous. So uh, the quality of the chances we create are a lot higher. Um, we now create two point three big chances per game, which is nearly double what we did under Lukai. We score roughly uh, one goal uh, from a big chance per match now, where it was only a half a goal um, per game uh, under Lukai. Um, our expected goals uh, for uh, is 1.34 now, where it was 1.09. Uh, that's an increase of 23%. Um, and the expected goals per shot um, is 0 0.11, uh, where it was 0 0.09 under, under Lukai. So that indicates that the chances, the quality of the chances we create are higher than, than, than they, they used to be. Um, Interestingly, our, our passing completion has actually gone down. Uh, it's now seventy-three percent where it was uh, seventy. Uh, sorry, uh, it's now seventy percent where it was seventy-three percent under under Lukai, which tells you that we are a lot more direct. And you can see that as well, actually, in uh, in the fact that um, the number of passes we make into the uh, the, the final third is up by twenty-five percent, um, and we spent now twenty-eight percent uh, of our of of the game uh, in the opposition's third. Um, and it was twenty four percent on the lower kai, and and, con and conversely, we uh, we spent four percent less time in uh, in our own half, uh, or sorry, in our own third of the pitch. Um, the number of passes is is around the same, um, which also tells you that um, we we are we haven't we, we we seem to make fewer passes because we're a lot more direct, but we also on the ball more. Uh, we have more possession now than we did on the lower kai, um, and the. We also attempt more crosses, 10% more crosses than, uh, than we used to. Uh, it's around 16 now, where it was uh, uh, around 14 before per match. So it's a really, really big change. And I've not, uh, I've, it'd be interesting for someone to look at um, if any coach coming in uh, at any point had, had ever uh, managed such a big change in, uh, in, in all these uh, numbers um, uh, in such a short uh, space of time. It's, it's quite remarkable, really. Absolutely. I mean, every stat seems to be uh, positive compared to what it was. Um, James, I mean, you know, we, we hear all the stats there. It's kind of like the situation at the moment with Steve Bruce. You almost don't need those stats to know that this is a very different Sheffield Wednesday in, a, in, in, in every possible sense, really, isn't it? From, you know, we when when it feels like pretty much every single episode of this podcast that we've recorded in some way or another has been a bit negative, right? When it comes to football now, uh, I mean, we'd really have to go some to find something to have a whinge about right now, wouldn't we? <laughs> no, exactly right. And I, th I think the exciting part is, you know, we, you, you talk about a new manager coming in and having, you know, what we call colloquially the new manager bounce. This isn't a new manager bounce. You know, you look at if, if, if all of those stats that Peter's just reeled off are, are kind of like health signals, right? It tells you this team is healthy. It's it's playing good, attractive, attacking, effective football. And I guess you can kind of, you know, a little bit like if you if you look at a patient and look and see if they're kind of bright eyed and walking around and uh, and you know and enjoying life, you look at our results since we last recorded, we've what? We've won four, we've drawn two. Um you know, the last game we scored four goals. I think that's the first time we've scored four goals in an awfully long time as, as a team. But, but as you said, you don't need the stats right now to tell you that things are just in far, far better shape than they, they were a long time ago. And that's not a bounce. That's a manager coming in with a coaching team, with a philosophy, and getting a result out of players. And um, yeah, I was listening to another podcast, which was hosted by a, a genial gentleman from Sheffield um, just uh, this morning. And it, it contained an interview with Sam Winnell, um, and it was fascinating to listen how, to how the players are responding to it. Um, and what's great is you start to see the numbers coalescing with that because you see players like Bannon beginning to, to play with a little bit more free abandon. 
um, you know, players like Ayorfa and Lazars when he was uh, when he was fit, you know, really adding a different dimension to this team. And they're the reason why you're seeing the stats that Peter's just described um, trending in all the right directions. So, uh, conclusion to all this then, all the stats, everything that we're seeing, playoffs, piece of piss. We're going to do it, aren't we? Um, well, both yes and no. I don't, um... I don't like the erm at the beginning of that, Peter. That didn't sound, that didn't sound certain. So, look, I mean, I think in, in our own way, we've, uh, I mean, almost like, I mean, I've, I've dismissed the playoffs since the first time I heard anyone say it. And, and to be fair, if we go back to... Um, the back end of December, beginning of January, I think there was only one person um, any anywhere around Sheffield Wednesday Football Club that was talking about playoffs. Um, and that was Mr. Chancery, who was still insisting that the playoffs were not out of reach. And how we laughed, how we giggled. And uh, here we find ourselves two points away from the playoffs. There's games in hands and stuff like that. Um, let's let's strip all that bare and uh, let's be realistic here. Peter, um, uh, you know the numbers. What, are, what is, is it going to happen? Um, it's... As you say, it's an increasing uh, likelihood, but it's from a very low low level. Um, the the good thing for us, the thing we have going for us, is uh, is the fact that the the teams in fifth and sixth um, are trending towards having uh, some of the lowest points totals uh, of teams in those positions um, at the end of the season uh, for the for the last twenty years of the championship. Um, so if we just extrapolate the the, the, the points per game. To, uh, to 46 matches, um, sixth place would be 69 points and fifth place would be 70 points. Um, so if, if you take that as a, as a, as a yardstick, um, well, our chance is really that the other teams uh, <laughs> around us aren't that good. Um, and it's with us being on 55 points now, um, we, we will probably need about 15 points um additional points to 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 get to uh, to the playoffs um and that's five wins um from from the eight matches we have left um and it's a it's a, a point average of uh, 1.88 um and if you look back historically on on uh, on the final eight matches in the championship uh, for the last 20 years um 8% of all the teams uh have uh, in the championship have managed to to uh accrue uh, points at a rate of 1.88 in the in the final eight matches just seven of those uh teams um were outside this the top six at at, uh, at this point of the season at the 38 matches um so that's just two percent um of the teams um and if you if you if you have a season a full season of 1.88 points uh you're quite close to finishing around the historical average of uh, of the team finishing second so that tells you something about that the form we need from here on in uh, has to be uh, would in a normal season over a full season uh, probably mean automatic promotion. Um, and it's, but it's, Peter, it's, if, if you go yeah. back to your your previous assessment, um, you know, and you were talking about kind of the form since Steve Bruce took over. We're not far mm. off being in an automatic promotion place, right? I think yeah. you said that if the season started the day that Steve Bruce walked in, we'd be fourth in the table. Is that right? Mm. Yeah, that's true. So. It, it's the the difference though is uh, is the uh, is the fixture list really um, if if you look at that um, and and if you use uh, I've used um, as a as a website called Five Thirty Eight uh, which is a really interesting um, measure they do they call it the Soccer Power Index it's a, it's an American website um, and they basically what they do is they rank all of, uh, rank about six hundred football teams from around the world uh, with a score from zero to to a hundred. Um, and we're about 50. Uh, Yeovil Town are, are five in Manchester City. Uh, they top the ranking with uh, 95. So we can use those rankings of the teams uh, for, for if, we, if we use those for, for the fixture list for, for all the teams in the championship. Uh, we actually have the second hardest uh, run-in um, of all the championship teams. Uh, it's only Millwall who have a, have a, tough, a tougher set of fixtures. And the sort of if you look at the average position of uh, of the of the team teams we have left to play, uh, if you rank them according to this uh, soccer power index, um, it'll be they would be around seventh or eighth. So that tells you something about um, 
the toughness of our our fixture list and um, and and the scale of the job really. Um, but it's interesting of that website as well. They they uh, they use these uh, these measures to uh, to um, to generate probabilities of uh, teams getting relegated, promoted, and so on. Uh, and the probability of us making the playoffs right now is. Um, is seven percent, um, which is around uh, odds of around thirteen to one, uh, and we also two percent for promotion, which is odds of uh, of forty nine to one, uh, and that was that was close to zero uh, when when Luke I left, and it was uh, even even at the end of February we were, we were close to zero as well. So it does tell you something about the trends uh, going. Peter, going did you say the the odds are seven percent at the moment of making the playoffs? Yeah, thirteen to one. Yeah. Fantastic, because that actually correlates directly. I think the last episode we recorded, I quoted the experimental three six one rankings, where they they try to predict, you know, kind of where people are going to finish up. And obviously, the the swings according to the way game you know games play out. For example, Sheffield United beating Leeds has, uh, has tipped them into a higher probability of automatic promotion than uh, than Leeds. No great surprise, but you know the model works in that respect. But the last time we recorded, I said that there was pretty much a zero percent chance, and and oddly enough, they have us at seven percent as well. So it seems like there's kind of a coalescence there. It kind of comes back to Steve Bruce's con except of a squeak, right? That squeak is, is getting a little louder. It is, yeah. Definitely. Um and and the and five thirty have, have us finishing on, on sixty five points and um, over a, an average season. Um so that tells you the way that we will probably be some ways in the analysis we we're likely to be some ways off the uh, off the the playoffs because they think uh, the team in, in six is gonna have uh, seventy points uh, using their pro, uh, prediction uh, so so the scale of the job is quite quite clear, um, and yeah. if we look at if we look at uh, the playoff teams, uh, that the, the teams that, that ended up in the playoffs, uh, no team outside the top ten at this moment, after thirty eight matches of the last twenty seasons, uh, have ever entered uh, the playoffs. So so we we are under the edges of the uh, of the probable uh, quite likely. But the interesting thing is, there are three teams that have had fifty five points or fewer. Uh, after 38 matches that made the playoffs and two of those three teams uh Watford in 98-99 uh, and Blackpool in in 09-10 actually won the playoffs um so maybe we can take that as a as a good omen uh that that we uh, that we and then that there doesn't seem to be any correlation between uh how well the team did during the season um before uh, how many points they had when they they entered the playoffs and and um and whether they won the playoffs or not, because it's it's quite spread out who who makes the final and who uh, who wins the playoffs as well. Um, so so Momentum's the good thing about this is we we actually could could uh, take heart from that. Okay, um, I mean I think if if we're all really honest with ourselves, even at this point, you'd still have to. Say, I mean I would have to say for me that I still think the playoffs is probably going to be out of our grasp, and we have got some hard games to. Um, to come i think we've also acknowledged that if we were to make the playoffs in doing so we would probably hand sheffield united promotion on a plate um and i've also booked to go on holiday when the playoffs are on because uh, when i booked it i was so absolutely certain that it was it was almost comical to imagine that i would need to worry about wednesday being in the playoffs so taking all those things into account then um we'll potentially just miss out but uh, the fact that we're sat here in March having this conversation compared to, you know, if we go back and listen back to like, um, you know, episode two, episode three, um, and the kind of conversations that we were having there, which were genuinely about what effect relegation would have on us from a FFP point of view, um, and and you know, just real proper like down and out conversations the fact that we're talking about this in march i think is absolutely remarkable and testament actually to uh certainly on the pitch what a turnaround we've seen but um let's put that to one side for now and we may well kind of revisit that a little bit later on um but but let's look at the uh the off the pit off off the field situation because we mentioned earlier it's it's been quite a big week uh it's been quite a big couple of weeks really um with all kinds of stuff happening from the off the field situation and this um takes us back to um the club's decision to delay publishing the accounts right through to in the last couple of days the uh, nine point penalty that birmingham have been given for their breach of the uh, pns 
FFP rules. Um, and every time that we've talked about financial fair play, we've referenced Birmingham as being a real interesting case and one to keep an eye on. Um, and I know, Peter, obviously it's something that you've been watching very closely. First thing to ask you really is just your kind of reaction, your thoughts to the punishment that's being given to Birmingham. Well, I think it's uh, it's more uh, the EFL uh, taking their dentures out than it's uh, it's the mighty roar of uh, of the EFL lion, um, because in my mind this is uh, really chickening out and especially uh, delaying the the ruling t- to this point of the season because uh, Birmingham really have nothing to to lose. Uh, that the likelihood of them going down on the back of this is is really really slim and. If you look at what they've done and how how blatantly they've uh, they've broken the rules and even done it, uh, I, I think I've, I said it on Twitter. Um, they've they've driven through the police barrier and kept on driving, um, and even in that, that case, they only get nine points deducted, which is uh, which is quite quite remarkable, really, um, because there, there's uh, scope in the uh, in in the in the rules now. We we actually get. From the ruling, we get to know what sort of uh, ballpark figure we, we, we could end up in uh, ourselves, because there's that's a that's a sliding scale depending on the on the on the combined uh, PNS loss. Uh, they go from from a point deduction from three to twelve points, and then you can add then they can add up uh, another add, add on another nine points for for aggravated breaches, uh, and you'd think that what Birmingham had done was. Uh, like a really accurate rate of breach, but in reality, they only get three points added on for um, for, for aggravation. Uh, and they even get one point uh, back uh, for mitigation because they, they admitted to the charge uh, uh, immediately and complied with the with the uh, wishes of the EFL after admitting the breach. So that's how it ended up being being uh, being nine points for them. Um, but I, I feel it's... I feel it's definitely a feather in the cap for for Mr. Chancery, um, because this this vindicates his, uh, in some respects, vindicates his all or nothing um, uh, strategy or whatever you want to call it. Um, so, I could see us if you look at at uh, the Arctic here. I could see us getting a lot of points uh, back from mitigation because we've been really compliant with the EFL uh, compared to to Birmingham. Our breach is probably, unless something changes in the summer, is is likely to be bigger than than Birmingham's. But uh, as I said, I think we'll get a lot of points back from from mitigation. So anywhere from two to seven points uh, would be a likely uh, likelihood for us. And um, as the breach would be for the period two thousand sixteen to two thousand nineteen, it also says in the ruling that that any any ruling on uh, on points reduction can only take place the next season. So the season we would be losing be losing these points will be next year. Uh, they can't do it this year actually, and that's that's also news um, from from uh, from the EFL. And that's kind of important, right, Peter? Because you know a lot of fans have been saying this week since the ruling came out um, in regards to Birmingham. Well, you know if that means that we're going to be liable for a points deduction, then we wait until the playoff challenge. You know, is resolved. If it fizzles out, let's take the points deduction this year, and then we start with a clean slate next year. That option is not open to us, correct? That's true. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, has has there been any anything else that's kind of changed since we last talked FFP? Um, uh, there's obviously the 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 club's decision to. Uh, move their accounting, their public accounting period. Obviously, it doesn't make any difference in terms of the accounts they have to um, submit to the EFL, which are obviously the ones that they then use to kind of calculate everything from an FFP point of view. Um, guys, and, and, and James, I'll ask you this first, really. What um, Do you kind of read anything into that? Do you think that's significant, or is it just a bit of a thing? I think as time goes on, it, you, you realise that there's a little bit more method to the apparent... Um madness sorry to use the phrase uh behind the club's behaviors and you know peter said a few minutes ago you know it's a feather in mr chan series cap in terms of the way the efl have responded to um to birmingham's breach i think to answer the direct question i think it's probably part of a wider process of the flow of information and the negotiations that are going on behind the scenes so you know to, to kind of lay the cards down on the table any company 
that you know is, is publicly listed in, in Britain or you know that has to file accounts with companies house or public or privately held um, has the opportunity to change its dates of accounting um, so it's accounting period um, I think once every five years so in essence there's nothing nefarious about Wednesday choosing to do that what what it means in practice is the date that they would have announced the fully filed accounts for the period 2017 to 2018, um, that they were able to delay the release of that information by three months. Um, and in doing so, that the accounting period by which those public accounts will be declared will include essentially the early summer of last year. So if something happened in the early summer of last year, which changed the nature of our revenue, all, all the costs of the business and therefore you know the overall profitability of the business that they didn't want to declare in public now um, then it was an advantageous move um, or it may be an advantageous move to them because it will change the way in which costs or revenues that will be accrued in the period between now and, and the equivalent date in 2019 uh, are incurred will be treated in the future so we don't necessarily know the motivation I think what we can conclude is that there was some information there that was helpful to either delay uh, or a future event that they want to include in, in the forward accounting um, planning. I, I don't think, to your point, that it necessarily changes the terms of the negotiation with the EFL at all, um, but it does indicate that the club is being more planful and more careful about what it's doing in terms of its overall accounting and the way in which it's thinking about revenue streams than perhaps you know in these conversations we've given uh, credit to in the past. Uh, Peter, if if I was to ask you to try and predict how Brexit is going to unfold, I think that would be an impossible question and certainly not one that you could answer within the next half hour that we've got uh, left within the podcast. If though I was to ask you to try and predict what you think is going to happen uh, as we get towards the, the summer and then over the summer for Sheffield Wednesday from uh, an FFP point of view, how do you see it going? And I'm thinking particularly here in terms of the dreaded E-word. So um, uh, embargo, Birmingham seems to have got away with it. Um, what? What? How, how, how do you kind of see that going for Wednesday? Uh, well, it's interesting. Uh, Kira Maguire, who uh, who I've referenced in a few times on on this uh, podcast, uh, he was on, on Football Heaven during the week, uh, and he speculated that, that we might actually already be under a soft embargo, uh, like we were last year, because last year we were put under embargo uh, from the beginning of April. Um, and that was the exact time that we'd, uh, we'd sent in um, our, our provisional accounts to the, uh, to the EFL. So the EFL could at that point say, uh, well, the, um, uh, well, we can see from your projections that you're going to be breaking FFP. So uh, we need... We, you can't register any new players until you've uh, you've uh, righted your wrongs. Um, whether we are that, I don't, I've, I'm not. Sh I'm not entirely sure. Um, but there's there's a likelihood that that the EFL um, probably wants us to to be uh, in some sort of embargo situation. But it could also be different from last year. Last year, uh, what we were told at, at fans forums anyway was that. Um, we couldn't even extend the contracts of uh, of existing players, so that it might be a different sort of embargo in, in that it's even softer than, than last year's in that we can't buy new players, but we can sign loan players and we can um, uh, we can extend contracts of uh, of the existing uh, playing staff um, provided they don't increase their wages. Um, that that's probably quite likely uh, to be the situation we're in, and. It's also quite likely that in the predictions we've sent to the uh, to the EFL, we have included a sum of some some uh, some size uh, for for incoming revenue from from uh, player sales in, in the summer, because that would be the uh, probably the only way to um, to to to, uh, to square the circle, so to speak. Um, and Birmingham did similar actually. That's also in the, in the ruling from the EFL. Birmingham also said that they'd be selling players. Um, uh, during the summer to to uh, to get within in the uh, in the loss limit uh, under the loss limit of, of the PNS, um, but obviously they didn't do they didn't carry through on that and they didn't uh, they didn't actually do it. But that that still that meant that the EFL um, only put them on an embargo rather than, than uh, taking stricter steps at that point. So you could see you could see uh, you could see the potential there. And and as I said, uh, anything from two to seven points is is probably the ballpark. I'd, I'd speculate on us having a, a, a punishment beyond that. But if we sell and reach in the summer for 
say eight, ten million, something like that. We could be looking at no points deducted, deducted at all. Um, so it 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 depends uh, a lot on on uh, on what we do in the in the summer still. Um, one one of the other things, Peter, that I think it depends on, which is it's been less commented on, but it's bec- I think it's becoming more impactful for Wednesday's future. Um, and it actually, I think, to some extent, underscores why Mr. Chancery has taken the strategy he has, is the amount of um, difference of opinion um, at the higher levels of the EFL in terms of how to proceed with clubs that are up against this barrier and how to deal with PNS as a as an entity, you know, as a, as a regulation overall. Um, it was quite interesting. I think the, the other major event that happened this week, as well as Birmingham's um, uh, fine, you know, or, or penalty uh, being announced, was there was a meeting of of EFL chairman. I understand where there were very heated, at least as, as the reports go, there were very heated discussions between the various clubs around what should be done about PNS regulations. Full stop. And we've speculated on on this podcast about, you know, perhaps there's a change in the rules. Uh, forthcoming, which gives Mr. Chancery more confidence about you know Wednesday's position relative to those, you know whether it's a soft embargo or, or a points penalty next season, uh, kind of you know impact. It sounds like you know we're not the only club in that situation. That uh, that Derby, that Villa, you know obviously Birmingham have just gone through it are, are in a similar place. And there's this debate going on about you know should the PNS regulations be relaxed? How to deal with the relativity of PSL? Uh, PNS rulings relative to the the parachute payments and obviously smaller clubs pushing back on that, but that doesn't sound like unfinished business, right? And I guess that's the backdrop against which these decisions will be taken. Yeah, that's true. And and there's also speculation that the the EFL chairman who who left the a short while ago, uh, the the reason he left wasn't uh, uh, the uh, TV deal he uh, he negotiated, which a lot of hot clubs are unhappy about. It was actually over over uh, discussions on on the on the PNS rules and how they were. How they were applied. So, so there's definitely a lot of uh, back and forth, um, and it's at the moment I, I don't see it, it as likely that the coalition of clubs, uh, coalition of the willing, so to speak, um, for for changing the rules uh, is a very big club. Uh, it's um, yeah, I think the clubs you mentioned uh, and, and ourselves are probably the only ones really pushing for it. But we could be seeing some of the clubs that came down from the Premier League, uh, Swansea and, and Stoke, um, once they. Uh, if they don't re- reduce their costs, they could they could be having issues a few years down the line. So they might also actually be interested. And um, and and yeah, uh, it's, it's 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 they're walking a tightrope. And I think the uh, the ruling on Birmingham shows you that they're probably a lot more lenient uh, than than uh, maybe a majority of the of the member clubs of the EFL wanted them to be. But but if they weren't that lenient, they they could they could have. Um, yeah, they could have created uh, a change of the rules, uh, a pressure to, to, to change the rules. So they're so they're they're really having to balance their their their, their views on, on this one. Yeah, and I think that's what's so interesting about the Birmingham points deduction as well, um, which is that you know, as you said in in the way you introduced it, you know, there, there was a maximum penalty, which is you know very severe that could have put Birmingham squarely in a relegation fight. But you look at the way in which it was reduced and accommodated, despite, you know, quite frankly, some some apparent antagonism from on Birmingham's part, and and otherwise, you know, it suggests that the EFL doesn't want to go to that kind of full extent of of punishment. It also suggests that there is, you know, this kind of power brokerage going on about the the inadequacy of the current um, ceiling rates for PNS, which we've talked about many times, and and just how unfair they at least seem to be in terms of competitiveness relative to the teams who are coming down from the Premier League with uh, with parachute payments. So actually all of that kind of uncertainty plays into Wednesday's hands to an extent for the specific reason that we've we have been fairly compliant since, you know, we kind of blew through the barrier, if you will. Um if you just look at the basic, you know, um measure of player sales, uh, sorry, player purchases, you know, since uh, well, over the last 18 months, we've actually brought two players, Joe Pelopesi and uh, Dominic Oelfa, and the combined you know fees, as far as we can tell, are what about 700,000. Um, you know, it's not like we've been blithely going forward and and paying big money for players that we you know legitimately would have trouble justifying under these regulations. It doesn't stop the wage bill problem, um, and it does continue to put us in the same challenge in terms of accumulating revenue to offset those those losses. But it does indicate that Wednesday have kind of played a fairly careful tightrope walk, which, as you said earlier on, would, would put us in a, a reasonable position to, to be hopefully quite well respected when it comes to those decisions in, in that kind of broader um, dialogue about the future of PNS in the summer. 
All right, taking that step back that we talked about um, earlier on, uh, and, and just you know to kind of reflect on the fact that when we recorded last time, I think it was just a few days after um, Catrian had left the the, the club as um, as chief exec, and we didn't kind of really know what impact that was going to have or what that that sort of meant um and then other things that have happened since uh peter are you feeling um more or less positive about the kind of financial situation uh, at sheffield wednesday as a result of kind of what's happened over the last few weeks well, at least we know now what uh, what sort of ballpark we're, we're going to be in uh, if we if we incur a penalty, and we can also strategize around that. So we can we can uh, weigh uh, on the one hand selling Adam Reach and losing him from from uh, from our playing squad uh, against how many more points will be deducted or not deducted. So it's it gives us um, gives us the opportunity to, to put together a longer term strategy, and it does look like that is what uh, Chen Siri. Um, is uh, finally, you could say, uh, actually doing. And I, th I think Steve Bruce is a big part of that because uh, he seems to, uh, as we all do, uh, as Steve Bruce talks, it's a bit like a, like, like a, a grandfather or, or an uncle in the family that, that everyone one sits up and, and lis listens when he talks. Uh, and and he, he, he speaks in a manner that, that, uh, that appeals to everyone. Uh, and I think this the same sort of uh, feeling feeling safe and feeling uh, secure in his company. I think Kanchiri has a sim has a similar uh, emotion towards him, and and that means he can a lot of the the the, uh, the micromanaging of of the club he's done on on the playing side as well. He's now leaving to see Bruce because I imagine see Bruce uh, made made that uh, a term of, uh, of of his appointment uh, that that he that Kanchiri could not meddle. Um, as heavily in 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 the in the, in the football side of things uh, as he has done, that frees up Chancery to do things uh, in in the corporate arena of the club, um, and it does seem like we're we're moving in that that direction. Um, and and as I said, I think um, the the uh, the Birmingham ruling is is uh, pretty much a vindication for for Chancery's uh, treading water uh, strategy, uh, which we've uh, been very negative about uh, earlier uh, in earlier podcasts. Okay, you um you mentioned in there, Peter, about kind of you know Steve Bruce being kind of the uh, the uncle that everyone sits around and listens to his uh, listens to his stories. Um, we we talked about this a little bit last time around, um, James, and that was only kind of what ten days or so into the Steve Bruce era. But we kind of reflected on the fact that we were all individually a little. Uh, not quite negative, but 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 maybe not overly positive about Steve Bruce when he was appointed, because we all kind of judged that there were bigger issues within the um, within the club. Um, now we find ourselves what you know, nearly coming up to two months into the Steve Bruce regime, and um, I, I mean I can only speak for myself, but I'm guessing you're the same that 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 feelings changed quite a bit in um in in that time it, it does feel like we have a real grown-up football club now where only two and a half three months ago it was very different wasn't it yeah i, I love that phrase grown-up football club uh, it, it kind of rolled back six weeks and i think you know my, my phrase when he was appointed and just after his first press press conference was like a deep breath and like wow it feels like there's an adult in the room at long last um and I think we all know that experience, right? When you're in a time of crisis, you you look for someone who's kind of been there, done that, and kind of seen it before, and you can offer you kind of sanguine advice. And uh, all of a sudden, Sheffield Wednesday, that seemed like it was flailing and didn't quite know how to deal with all of this kind of you know chaos of the championship and just just how competitive a division it is, the complexities of PNS, the you know this kind of underachieving squad. We needed someone to kind of come and take the whole situation by the scruff of the neck, who who kind of knew how to approach it, and and that's exactly what he's done. What what's beautiful about the whole experience is just how calm his operating manner is. You know, I, I suspect he would be fairly, uh, you know, undifferentiated if we'd lost, you know, a couple of the games on the run that we've been in, or if we weren't quite within a squeak of the playoffs as as he is now where we are. And that gives you amazing confidence about what he's doing in the dressing room with the players and, and the fact that he's working with them on, you know, on the fundamentals. We talked about right at the top of the pod, 
in terms of pass completion and you know being in the right place on the field and getting those balls into the box to create the chances that Peter was describing. You know that all comes from from the coaching and the arm around the shoulder and the whispering in the ear and 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 the things that he does. But it appears that you know his tenure and his experience in big football clubs from Manchester United onwards is is really benefiting Sheffield Wednesday right now and um you know it it does vindicate Dave Chancery's choice it does give us huge confidence and I think the thing that Wednesday should should feel most of all is we shouldn't worry too much what the culmination of this kind of hit and hope run in the next eight games is because you know let's say you know, all odds are beaten and we, we get into the playoffs and we, we have a good crack at it, you know, we could get what we've all desired for an awfully long time and, and we can have some confidence that we've got someone who knows how to do that if that opportunity is presented. If not, we're in a good position next year. You know, even with everything we've just talked about with PNS, you know, maybe the worst outlook is that Wednesday start the season with a few points to make up, but but probably a remodeled squad because he knows how to work the transfer market, as he's already shown with uh, with the players he's brought in. So, yeah, I, I just feel a whole lot calmer, and I think he has an enormous amount to do with that. It's, it, it's testament to one man. I know there's a lot of people behind the scenes working with him, but he's had an outsized impact on Sheffield Wednesday in two months. I think it's really hard to disagree with that, isn't it? The fact that th- there's just a real positive, uh, just a positive vibe around the football club. Um, Peter, do you share that optimism when you uh, think about the, um, I still can't get used to the fact that you've got to say this, the 2019-2020 season, which is what next season will uh, will be. Um, do you share James's optimism when you kind of think ahead? Uh, in, in large part, yeah. Yeah. Um... Uh, it, it, the only thing you could say against it all is really that it's it's going too well at the moment. Uh, so maybe Bruce won't um, make as many changes to the playing squad in the summer because um, if uh, it's it's harder to um, it's hard, harder to, to to defend doing that if if the squad has actually been doing quite well on them. Um, and and I mean it's it it's not just. Uh, Steve Bruce coming in uh, that has given us this uh, this change. Um, it's it's also it's it's also just the fact that Luca is no longer here, um, and and you could see that in some of the the players and and and, the, and demeanor on the pitch and all that. Um, so I'm, I've 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 I really see a lot of uh, of positives in in the fact that uh, Bruce uh, as we discussed um, as we've discussed earlier as well uh, seems to know the transfer market really well and and his his, uh, his three signings uh, during the January window uh, were really inspired and and uh, and, and I office is an absolute steal at, at 200,000 pounds uh, raw as he is but but there's a lot of potential there and he's a good age for whole player as well 23 plenty of years to to, to develop at ours and um, and I'm confident that Bruce knows that to be a football manager, and I can tell, uh, consider that, that to be a football manager, you have to sell players to buy players. Um, and he's done that all his career. Um, so so he knows that the players he's buying, he has to have a, a view that it, within two, three, four years, he, he could be selling that player again, hopefully for, for a healthy profit uh, that could then be reinvested in the playing squad. So so that's my hope for the summer is that he, he, he sets that in motion. Um, and and um, if I've let's just say I've got a lot more confidence in uh, in Bruce than uh, than in the Dorian Sports or, or whoever uh, did our uh, Glenn Roder or whatever or transfer committee or whatever uh, did our transfer business uh, beforehand. Um, the, the, and and again, the the only thing you could say is that uh, he he did this with with uh, Aston Villa, didn't he? He uh, he came in at Villa and then got them to the uh, to the playoff final. Uh, and. And the season after, it just went off the rails uh, for him at, at Villa. So, um, he, I mean, the, the only negative I could come up with um, is that it's going too well at the moment. And uh, what will happen if we hit a, hit a rough patch uh, at the beginning of next season, for instance, um, and and uh, struggle to, to to buy a win? Can can see Bruce as a manager reverse a team on a downward trend? Um, that's the only question mark I probably have. But but for eighty percent. Uh, of of uh, of the of the James's argument, I, I definitely buy it. I've got I've got to stick one word of defence in for Bruce about his uh, his last season at Villa on that point, Peter, because I think it's oft overlooked and it, interestingly it comes up in the opposite sense in the PNS debate. Um, you know, after Villa lost the playoff final last uh, last May, th- they faced a, 
a really challenging financial situation. Nothing to do with PNS regulations, but about the ability to actually play, pay their players. They had a huge cash flow problem with uh, with Tony Zia not being able to get money out of China, and there was a there was a genuine possibility that that squad was going to have to be dismantled just on the basis of keeping the club financially alive for, from a cash flow perspective. And I don't think you can understate the kind of um, the disruption that must have caused to Villa's preseason plans, you know, to the squad dynamic, to to Bruce's planning as well. And I, I don't think that gets given a lot of credit in terms of the slow start they made to this season. If you look at where they are now, that you know, largely the same squad is is obviously a little higher up the table than Wednesday are. So um, I'm, I'm not too worried about the, the way they started this season in the context of Bruce's manager. Um, and I think he has got pedigree of uh, you know turning around teams like Hull that came back down and taking them back up. So we'll, we'll, you're absolutely right to highlight that you know we shouldn't just you know take testament to the fact things are rosy now and that that predicts the future. But I've actually got confidence in the fact that he's been through those rough patches and knows how to navigate them. And I think the other the other fact is uh, as even though he's he's uh, he's definitely the adult in the room, he's become a lot more of an adult uh, during the last year as well because of, uh, of what he's been through, uh, both with his family, but also the way he was treated at, at Villa. So I think he has, I think he has a sort of uh, of optimism and and, uh, and and joy of life that that really radiates uh, from him and, and rubs off on, on on the players as well, obviously. Um, so I, I think he'd 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 be likely to be a lot more. Uh, steady in in a time of crisis uh now than he was maybe a year ago because he's he's really grown as a, as a human being um it sounds like uh during that time so so that gives me heart as well okay peter i'm staying with you because it's time now for stat of the month this is where uh, the three of us all tried to come up with um the i'm doing the floppy bunny ears when i say this you can't see it but i am the best stat that we can find uh, from the uh, last month, which is normally whereby you took up with something good, uh, and, and, and mine's shit. So, um, Peter, uh, what is your stat of the month? Well, we actually referenced it uh, before, um, but I'll, I'll, I'll just recycle it uh, because of laziness. Uh, 2.00, um, the uh, the points average under Steve Bruce, Um and as, as I mentioned uh, earlier as well, it's uh, over a full season that's normally uh, well well above the uh, the required amount for, for automatic promotion. So uh, it's 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 really something. Um, and yeah, I think it's just worth underlining just how well things are going on the pitch at the moment, um, and 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 how deserved it is. It's, it's not even uh, I mean on the Luhukai we were actually overperforming even though we were were quite shit. But uh, under under Bruce, we're actually slightly underperforming the uh, the underlying numbers uh, in in a, in a lot of our games, but still uh, winning most of them, obviously. Um, so that's that's uh, that's my step for the month. Good stuff. All right. Um, see if you can figure mine out. Then mine is one in thirty eight. No. Mm-hmm. I, I Game, games have scored three or more goals. Um, no, that no, that would be two, actually. Ooh. Swansea and um, Blackburn. Blackburn. Um, it's um, it's the number of penalties that we've been ah. awarded this season. Just one yeah. in yeah. thirty-eight games so far, and yeah. and that was actually I think in the second. Game of the season way back when against Hull in um, in in August, um, which is I think it puts us bottom of the table in the uh, in the championship for uh, penalties um, awarded. Which I, I can't quite decide is this reflective of the fact that we've not been a particularly attacking force to be reckoned with this season, or is the song true and we genuinely do always get shit refs? I'm not. I'm not. Quite sure on that one. Let's go with the second. Let's go with the latter. Um, right, James, what's your uh, what's your stat of the month? Well, we've we've all gone for low numbers this month. So Pete, Peter said two. You said one. Uh, I can't quite undercut you, James. I'm going to go back up to Peter's level. I'm going to go two point zero zero as well, which is uh, the number of um, additions we've made to our recruitment department in uh, in the last. Uh, 
period since we last recorded. Uh, so Steve Bruce, we, we talked earlier on about the fact that, you know, he, he takes a huge amount of credit for what we're doing, but, um, you know, others behind the scenes are working hard as well. And we brought in David Downs and Dean Hughes from, uh, from Aston Villa to, uh, to kind of bolster our recruitment effort. And, um, if we can reasonably assume that uh, those guys were at least behind the scenes consulted on the uh, on the purchases we we made of Dominic Offer and the two loan signings from Newcastle, um, I think it looks like they've uh, they've unearthed a couple of really important figures in uh, in Wednesday's future. There, um, Downs is going to be head of recruitment, kind of head of scouting, if you will, while Hughes will uh, will be the recruitment analyst. In other words, trying to you know identify high performing players uh, that we can bring into the club and and they've got some pedigree. I think um, you know we've been talking about goals of the season in recent weeks and uh, and one of the great goals this season obviously John McGinn um you know against Wednesday at Villa Park they were uh, they were part of the team that brought him into uh, to Villa from Scottish football so yeah you know hope reason to be cheerful for the future that maybe we've moved on a little bit from our uh, our previous dependence on Diane Sports and a, and a network of agents to actually having some really hard analytic recruitment uh, within the uh, the halls of Hillsborough going forward um and and hopefully uh, you know a role that Peter can uh, can work with uh, in the future <laughs> Uh, thank you, James. I have to stand corrected, by the way, that uh, there are two other teams in the um, in the championship who've only had one penalty all season: Derby and uh, Bolton. Have uh, also only had one uh, one penalty, so a joint kind of bottom of uh, of that of that league table. Uh, right, that's going to bring us to uh, this month's Ask Peter, where we've uh, picked out a couple of the questions that you've sent us on social media to put to our uh, resident podcaster expert, Peter Lerman. Um, so first of all, Peter, from Paul Newby, who's asked whether you can devise some stats on how many more passes forward and crosses we're doing compared to the last two seasons and Paul particularly wants to see if our play is um, is more kind of advancing stats and if it's sustainable um, and also um, who who remembers a guy called Jordan Rhodes who uh, used to play for us still does out on loan at, um, at, at Norwich um, but you know whether or not kind of the way we're playing now whether it more kind of suits a player a bit like him yeah, if we uh, if we look at uh, at, at uh, the number of passes we make, um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we we uh, make about the same number of passes we did under Luukai, um, and it's also it's actually quite stable over the last uh, four or five seasons. Um, so between four hundred and and four hundred and thirty. Um, so that's not really a big change in that. Uh, as I also mentioned, our pass completion has gone down now, and it's it's seventy percent under Bruce. Uh, it was 73 under 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 Lukai and um, and in the last uh, couple of seasons before that it was uh, 76 and 75. Um, so that that tells you something about the change of play, uh, uh, the way we play it has changed. Um, our crossing is also uh, higher under Bruce as I mentioned, but it's uh, a lot lower than uh, in in 15, 16, 16, 17, and 17, 18 where it was around 20, and now we average around uh, 16 crosses per match uh, under Bruce. Um, and it was only 14 under, under Luokai. Um, but I definitely think there's a, there's, there's a change to the, to the way we play uh, in, in, the, uh, in, in, the, um, in the sense that we, as I mentioned earlier as well, uh, complete a lot more uh, passes into the, uh, to, to the final third. Uh, and the, the chances we create are, are of better quality and bigger. So that tells you something about um, us being a lot more dangerous. Um, we don't have the ball uh, a lot more. We have it slightly more. Um, we don't make as, uh, a lot more passes, but with the passes we do make, we make them count a lot more uh, than, than we have done. Okay, and um, over to James for our second question. Okay, thanks, James. Um, so, Peter, we could have asked you a thousand other questions that came in from Twitter, but uh, Alex at MetaContent uh, says, uh, "Good morning, Peter." And we're recording this late at night, so uh, so this is a little bit delayed. Um, does your magic spreadsheet tell you the types of goals that we're scoring um, and whether they're different now uh, from under uh, you know earlier regimes, um, with the sense that we're scoring more from closer range? Is that true? It is actually. Um, uh... From across the town, uh, Blades Analytic, he, he was kind enough to to share uh, two graphs uh, that I retweeted um, from our Alsasvarstat uh, Twitter account earlier today, um, where you can quite clearly see that the 
all the goals we scored on in Bruce have been scored from from inside the box. Uh, whereas obviously, under Lukai, we uh, <laughs> we were quite famous for all, all our long range shots. Um, and you can also see from from uh, from those graphs that um, that we attempt the attempts we make are a lot closer to goal. Um, and again, that's also borne out by the uh, by the expected goals uh, data I was referencing earlier. Uh, that the quality of the shots we're making is higher, so we, we're not we're more patient. Uh, we don't don't uh, just have a proper goal. Uh, we actually move the ball to to areas where where our likelihood of scoring is a lot higher. Um, so there's there's also you can also tell that that we we uh, cross the ball more and do it with more quality. Um, as we've, we've scored uh, quite a few goals from from uh, from from crosses and and, uh, and free kicks as, uh, and corners as well, um, so so that's that's definitely uh, that's definitely uh, data that backs up the uh, the, the sense uh, that both he and, um, and and I have that, that we are scoring from closer range now. Okay, good stuff. Um, it looks very pretty as well on the um, on the actual. Graph, I'm uh, I'm impressed with that on the little on the on the diagram. Um, uh, Peter, you you mentioned um there about um the fact that you've you've kind of tweeted these out. Let's talk a little bit about Twitter, uh, because um I'm sure anyone that follows the at owls about stat group will uh, or the owls about stat account I should say will be aware of the fact that um I mean you've been putting plenty of stuff um out there in the in the last few um few weeks is there anything that you kind of particularly want to uh mention or anything that you want to talk about from a kind of a twitter interaction point of view no it's just in general it's it's been really good that uh, a lot of people have uh, gotten in touch um and it it's quite clear that that there are a lot of people who um yeah who think about uh, think about uh, things in a in a uh, in a different way, and I was uh, I was really pleased uh, as uh, as a guy who got who got in touch and, and tweeted us uh, saying that he's he's never been one for for stats, but uh, but since he, uh, he he caught an episode uh, of our podcast, uh, he's he's become a convert to uh, to the world of numbers and uh, and calls uh, calls us uh, our analysis fun, clear, uh, balanced, um, and and adds another level for him. So so that's that really that really um puts a jump in your step doesn't it um because that's exactly what what uh what uh i and and, and the two of you want this to be uh to 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 back up the uh, the uh, uh, analysis you can do in football with with uh, numbers and and uh, and have a, a deeper and more rational reflection of, of uh, how we're doing so it's it's been it's, it's been it's been really good um and people really respond when we uh, when we put out uh Put out uh, tweets as well, and uh, my favorite tweet was probably uh, the one um, that also got the most response uh, because I looked at uh, the last time we'd uh, we'd gone uh, eleven games unbeaten, and the last time we'd we only lost one in sixteen, and both those seasons we were promoted. Uh, so, uh, so that's an obvious omen uh, for this season, of course. Okay, good stuff. Um... Right then, so that's going to pretty much wrap us up then for uh, for another month on Owls About Stat. Um, James, let's come to you first for your farewell. Gosh, uh, that sounds very final, James. I'm hoping to be here next month, <laughs> if if that's what you're alluding to. But you know, if uh, if my performance is under under par against Peter's analytics, then I guess I'll get a notice in the mail next week. <laughs> Brill and um, do you want to point anyone to your uh, to your Twitter? Uh, yes, yeah. If you want to, uh, if you want to talk, um, let less the absolute pure stats that you should be directing to uh, to Peter, um, uh, but more the kind of the overall strategy of the club. Um, you'll find me at Manhattan Owl on Twitter, and uh, always happy to have some uh, some good debate about that and general transatlantic geopolitics. As we've mentioned, if anyone does want to uh, fire any questions towards us, and I say us, meaning Peter, um, then obviously you can do it at Owls About Stat. But Peter, anyone that wants to get in touch on um, on your Twitter, um, is uh, is that all right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the more yeah, the more uh, interaction, the better, really. Um, and uh, it's it's especially interesting if people have some hunches about uh, how things have developed and and uh, something they they want to to see back up in the numbers and and obviously there's the whole uh, FFP situation as well where where I've um, I've I've, 
have the possibility to do with some some really good analysis that's not just uh, centered on, on on Wednesday. And I'll, I'll usually be putting those things out on uh, through my own account, which is uh, at p l o e h m a n n uh, p Lohman. Um So there's there's going to be uh, stuff, general championship stuff coming out from my account as well, both on 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 football finances, but also on 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 statistics. And we've been uh, lucky enough in the in that Outspot stat has been uh, added to uh, to a Twitter group of uh, other uh, um, championship club uh, analytic fans fans accounts. Um, so there are some really clever guys there um, who who can do a lot more with the numbers than uh, than I can. So so it's, it's it's a great place to get some inspiration. So so hopefully we'll we'll keep the uh, keep the fl- steady flow of of, uh, of of enlightening numbers uh, up for the uh, for the next uh, months as well. I must say I have never been uh, privy to such a geeky um, kind of Twitter thread as, uh, as as the one you've just mentioned there with the other kind of statistical um, statistical Twitter accounts. It's uh, it, I read it sometimes and just think I have no idea what's going on. It's, uh, it's <laughs> uh, right. You can get me on Twitter at James Marriott uh, as we've mentioned a few times. Get the podcast at Owls About Stat. By the way, if you um, if you do listen to us through kind of your podcast app of choice, we would be very grateful if you could leave us a review. Um, a five-star review would be fantastic. And, um, yeah, let us know what you think, and we will see you back here next month. Mm-hmm.